0: Welcome to Radio Plasma, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. I'm the producer and host, Johan Reschivega. And during this summer, it's time to go out. And we are right now, actually, in Northampton City Hall. The reason for it is because we're going to talk about an exciting program. And here we are in the planning office at the Northampton City Hall with Wayne Faden.
1: Thank you. I'm so glad you're covering this. It is a really exciting opportunity for us.
0: So, this bike exchange program that is about to start is happening simultaneously in different cities, right? That's correct. It's five different cities and then UMass as well. For people that have been actually beginning to notice some of the ducks placed in different areas, there has been a lot of questions about it, like, what is that? What is it going to be? Some people already know and they are very well informed about this program. But in general, this is the reason we are here today, to get to know what this program is going to be and how it is going to work. It is a 500-bike-share program.
1: So there's 500 bicycles throughout the Pioneer Valley, Springfield, Holyoke, South Hadley, Northampton, Amherst, and then UMass, um, at 50 different stations. And people can join the system. um, So you can join for a ride, you can join for a day, you can join for a month or join for a year. And then whenever you want to take a bike out, you just go up to the system and grab a bike and you can come right back to the same bike share station or come to one of the other 49 bike share stations that's out there. So I, for example, live a mile from downtown. I could walk to the nearest bike share station. I can grab a bike, bicycle downtown, and then leave it downtown. And then middle of the day after I got into an errand, I can grab a bike. Uh, and come back when I go home I can grab a bike and go back um, and the idea that the reason for the share is it means the bikes are at least if you are close to one of those 50 stations the bikes are always there you don't have to worry well I'm getting a lift one way with a friend and I'm walking one way or it's raining and I don't feel like riding you just take a bike on, on a series of whatever one way trips you want and it's available for it um, the cost is probably less it's certainly less than driving and potentially less than owning your own bike out there so the memberships the way they work is if you join for a day month or year you're getting unlimited 45-minute memberships so if you want to ride forever you can just do a series of 45-minute rides you have to come back to a station every 45 minutes Uh, and the reason for that is we don't want someone to take the bike and take it home and lock it up to a tree we, we, the right goal is to get the bikes to be used by multiple people five, six times a day for each bike. As you I know, say, if you're going from Florence to Amherst, for example, you might ride downtown and then you check the bike in to reset the 45-minute clock, and then you go to Amherst and then put the bike, you know, reset the clock and then come back, so you could do that. Most people don't. We find that most people are probably doing 10, 20-minute rides, but it's available for anything the way people want it.
0: So when people who check out one bike in a station, they already have to be signed up into the program, right? Or is there a possibility for someone to just check out the bike? So you can always
1: do it, if you have a smartphone, you can always do it from a smartphone. So you can go to any of the 50 stations and pull out your smartphone and register right there. There are going to be a total of nine kiosks throughout the valley where you could, if you don't have a smartphone, you could go in just with your credit card and sign up right there. So downtown, for example, in Pulaski Park and at the train station, there'd actually be an intelligent kiosk where you could sign up, but anywhere else you'd use the web or use your phone.
0: How in terms of safety for the users of this program, and when I speak about safety is, is there helmets available? Because I noticed this concern about people. Is there any availability of helmets? users have to provide it, or how is the requirement for it? Right, so we very strongly
1: recommend helmets. We think people should always use a helmet, um, and it's unwise not to, it's not required by state law, so people certainly have the option not to use a helmet. We don't provide helmets. Um, It's a challenge for bike-share programs everywhere. The problem with helmets is both the cleanliness factor, but also, if you're ever in a crash, the helmet, you should throw your helmet out. And so it makes us a little bit nervous having helmets that we wouldn't know where they came from. So as far as I know, Seattle's the only place that's really tried to deal with helmets and it hasn't been totally satisfying. So all the other bike share programs urge people to bring their own helmets. You know, it's interesting how the market's responded. Um, so a lot of people do, they carry their helmets. You know, you can actually get, you know, a strap to carry your helmet with you. There are now two or three companies that actually make collapsible helmets, some are still beta testing I think there's one that's now on the market um, and and I think that's in response to bike share that is popping up everywhere if you have a, you know if you're carrying a briefcase you can carry your helmet and pop it out when you do it so I'm hoping we see more of those um, we are going to try to do some programs that are helmet giveaways particularly we're trying to make sure we get low-income individuals we're putting some of the bike share stations close to affordable housing projects where working on trying to get lower rates for affordable for lower income populations um, and we want to do some helmet giveaways so that that's not a factor but otherwise yes bring your own helmet um, And mean the other thing for that matter is bring your own light if you're riding at night so the bikes have good front lights and back lights that make the bike very visible but not necessarily that it shines on the trail and so we hope people get in the habit of grabbing a helmet and a light you know i have a light permanently mounted on my helmet that works well for this kind of thing so that means the access to the bikes is available 24 hours? That's correct. Bikes are available 24 hours, eight months a year. They're not, they're not available during the winter. But from April 1st to December 1st, anytime you want. Um, we're, we're dealing with, with trying to figure out the lighting. So our theory is not that many people are taking bikes out at 2 in the morning. So we're probably going to turn the lights off in the, in the bike share stations mm-hmm. at some point. But since you should bring a light with you anyway, it would be easy enough to take out.
0: So how this is being targeted in terms of the accessibility for users in the community to get access to this program?
1: So the way people sign up is they go to valleybike.org and they can sign up right there. The site had had some bugs, so if you tried to sign up before it wasn't working, but it should be working right now. And so they can sign up right there and they can again sign up for an individual ride. So you pay $5 as a one-time fee that lets you then sign up for any a, a ride for $2. So I know I'm only going to ride once every few months. I might buy my $5 pass, and then when I want to ride, I pay per ride. Or I can sign up for 24 hours or a month or for an entire year. You know, that, those, those choices are out there. So that's sort of the core way people sign up. And then our vendor, the company who's supplying the bikes and doing the work, They have a marketing coordinator, and her job is largely to identify big events. So, you know, generally you go to the website, but for bike breakfast, for example, we do every year. For various events we do, she will go to the event and sort of help people through and
0: give tutorials. So, If somebody wants a little more help understanding the system, she'll be there. Mm-hmm. So that means there should be a presence of the program and different activities happening during the summer and fall so people can get information and possibly sign up for the program if they haven't already. Absolutely. And, and likewise, if any of your listeners
1: know of a big event, we would love you to contact us. I mean, we would, you know, She's available for
0: these events when we know that they're out there. Now, talking about the bikes, they are state-of-the-art new bikes that some people have been asking why that design, what are the perks on it, are there electrical, are there automatic, smart bikes? What's the technology involved in the, in the bikes themselves? So they're called pedal assist bikes. Uh, so they're electric assist.
1: And it was a deliberate decision. So we looked at bike share programs around the country. And it's pretty clear that the majority of riders are 20 and 30 year old professionals. Which is great, it serves a really important function. But we wanna get all age demographics, all income groups, all, you know, everything. And the electric assist suddenly makes a huge difference. Uh, Just the day we were testing them, fair. Which vendor do we want to use? We had a few people walk by who said, I you know, I haven't been on a bike in 20 years, but I like this. And they took them for a test ride and they seemed to like it. Yesterday, I gave a, a 71-year-old woman who hadn't ridden a bike for 20 years went on this bike. Um, and it's like riding a bike, right? She got it back immediately, but it was much easier for doing it. And so I, I think it, it makes it much more attractive for different demographics, but you still have to pedal. So if you don't pedal, the bike doesn't move. There's no throttle. There's no any other control. You pedal, and the electric assist will help. And the way it works is when you're going flat, it's giving a little bit of energy to make your life a little bit easier, but it's you're mostly, mostly pedaling. If you're going up a hill, it basically makes the hill disappear. So going up a hill isn't that much harder. So it senses the hill, and it's not that much harder. And So, again, it even things out. We've certainly watched people in this community because we have a, an active – bicycling community who at a certain age start feeling like they have to give up bike riding. And a few of them have gotten electric assist bikes and it's made a huge difference. That's what that's what convinced us for doing this. So that's the most important feature then. They have a built-in GPS system. So when you take your bike out, the system knows where you are. And so your app will tell you There's an an app you can download, it will tell you where every bike is, is, if it's in a docking station, not when it's riding. But so, then you don't have to show up in a docking station and say, oh, all the bikes are gone. Or show up in a docking station and find all the empty slots are gone, I can't leave it there. I can look at my app and say, oh, there's five bikes here and 10 bikes here and lots of places to, to put them. So that's all helpful. It's also, we were really committed to social equity in the system. And so we wanted a bike-share system would work for people of all incomes, and that includes people who are unbanked, don't have a credit card, or don't have a debit card. And so you can guess that's a security issue for a lot of systems, um, and the GPS helps. You know, you, you can't really rip off this, the bike, because we know where the bike is. Mm. And so that, that makes it much, that allowed us to suddenly be able to reach out and make the bikes available for public housing, residents, people who don't have a credit card, people who have lower income. Um, uh, Community Foundation of Western Mass is underwriting the membership costs for uh, lower income individuals. So that makes it equal. And again, the bike makes it all possible. Um, otherwise, it's pretty straightforward. One thing to it's really nice is the chain is enclosed. The wheels are enclosed. So if you're bicycling the pouring rain, you may get wet from the, the rain, but you shouldn't get splashed on from the wheel. If you're wearing dress clothes, you're not going to wear getting oil from the chain. You're not going to bump into it. Um, and it's lower because it's protected. It's lower maintenance for us. It does mean it's a heavy bike. It's 75 pounds. So, again, you need that electric assist. That's three times the weight of a, of a road bike. We and The final thing in terms of, of technology is because the bikes are heavy, the consequences of a crash are worse. Um, and so we actually put a governor in there. So on the bike path, the maximum speed of the bike is 12 miles an hour. And getting hit by a 75-pound bike at 12 miles an hour is not a good experience, I'm not suggesting that. But a road bike that goes that much faster actually creates more energy, releases more energy in a crash. the idea was, if you get hit by this bike, it's no worse than getting hit by a road bike that's moving faster. Again, don't get hit. And we look at bike shares around the country, there's very few crashes but we're trying to to deal with that. And so UMass, Smith College, and the bike paths have a maximum speed of 12 miles an hour. Elsewhere, it's a maximum speed of 20 miles an hour. Um, That doesn't mean you can't go faster, particularly going down a hill. It means the engine turns off. So then you're totally on your own if you're going faster.
0: In terms of maintenance, uh, you just mentioned that the way the design and the, the way they are protected, they require less maintenance. But how is this plant to work? how are the maintenance is going to work for 500 bikes? So there's a, there's a full-time
1: maintenance crew. So um, BeWegan is our vendor for the system, core logistics to the vendor who operates them. They have a full-time presence. They have a warehouse, they have crews with trailers, and they go out whenever there's a call. somebody calls, I have a flat tire or something, and they go out. Um, and they go out routinely. They go out and, you know, there's a service schedule for the bikes. So if nothing seems to be wrong, they will oil them. I'm not a mechanical person, but they will fix them, whatever they have to do routinely. Um, And they also do some rebalancing. You know, if Springfield has a wild concert, everyone from throughout the valley takes all 500 bikes down to Springfield, they're going to magically reappear in the right locations. Um, And so that's their job for doing, you know, obviously, we hope the bikes rebalance as much as possible. That's also one of the benefits of the electric assist, that we know in places that don't have electric assist, the bikes tend to show up on the bottom of the hill. right? So if you go to Smith College, you might t- grab a bike, go downtown, but you wouldn't want to walk back, I mean, you wouldn't want to bicycle back, so you walk back. Um, with the electric assist, since the hills disappear, if you go to Smith College, you go downtown, you ride, and you probably ride back. So there's less balancing, but there will always be some balancing. And so again, that's what this crew does. And whenever they pick up a bike to rebalancing it, to move it to
0: where we want them to be, they check it and see if it has maintenance issues as well. So this program is about to start. The docks are getting placed um, and they seem to be ready in most of the locations. So now the plan is to get the program launched and there is an event to officialize this on Thursday the 28th. Yes
1: on my calendar. <laughs> Thursday the 28, uh, 10.30 is a chance to come look at the bikes. 11 o'clock, some comments from you know, various cities and sort of how does this all work. 11.45, we're doing a parade. The first is going to be 100 of the electric assist bikes there. The first opportunities will go to people who've signed up as founding members. So you can sign up right now as a founding member. I mentioned the year-long membership usually gives you unlimited 45-minute rides for a short time, just between now and the events, you can sign up, it's actually $10 more, so it's $90 instead of $80, but you get unlimited one hour rides. Um, and so some people will wanna do that, you know. I teach at UMass sometimes, and 45 minutes is a little short to get to UMass, an hour is perfect for doing that. Um, and so then we do this parade, people can bring their own bikes as well. I'm um, just of to show off, it's, it's a fun event. Um,
0: yeah. From which date, Will be officially for users all over the different cities to start using. Thursday it all goes live. You know,
1: as, okay. soon, as soon as we're done with the parade, it goes live. Of the 500 bikes, you know, 50 stations, about 40 of the stations will be live then. There's still a 10 more they have to roll out with to pour concrete. So it will probably be two or three months before all the stations are out there. You're listening,
0: Radioplasma. And we want to listen to your feedback. Let us know your thoughts, ideas, suggestions, comments, requests, people or matters that you would like to hear about in this space. You can contact us on our website, radioplasma.com, and through our social media channels, Twitter, Radioplasma Lab, and Facebook.com slash Radioplasma. There has been some questions and concerns regarding how to prevent damage, theft from the stations or the bikes just disappear. Yes. What are the measures being taken for for this to to minimize the impact? So a few answers. First, to start with,
1: there are a lot of bike share programs around the United States and around the, the world. Um, in communities with much more challenges than we have. And the theft rate is very low. The company we're using, for example, um, has a system of similar size in Baltimore, um, which certainly has a higher crime rate than anywhere in the Pioneer Valley. Uh, and they've had very little problems for doing it. So I think that, you know, that's sort of the context, is it's not usually a big problem. There's a few different measures. One as I mentioned the GPS. So if someone steals a bike, we can track it down. Um, there's no question. There've been sometimes where someone steals a bike for a joyride and then leaves it somewhere. But then we expect to recover. So that, that's the first one. The second is the system is proprietary. So if you steal a bike, you can have it for three hours, and then the battery is going to run out, and then it's going to be a 75-pound paperweight that's not going to do you any good. Um, so there's no reason to steal a bike. Uh, it just it wouldn't do you any good. I mean, it's not a joyful experience to ride without the electric assist. And then I guess the third thing is they have good locks. So that in the docks, it is really hard to pull out the bike for, for doing it. And if you're not a member, I guess the fourth thing, the fourth and final thing is, if you're not a member, you're not going to turn on the assist. So then again, it's a 75 pound, one gear, very heavy ride. So. It wouldn't really do you much good if you did steal it. Likewise, you know, anything can be vandalized, there's no question. There's been relatively low vandalism in other cities that have had it. They are pretty solid. Not Nothing's indestructible, obviously, but they're pretty solid. We hope, obviously, by being inclusive, by not making a system just for people with money, that that makes a difference, that people don't feel like, oh, this is a one more thing that the privileged get to use and we don't get to use it. That we want it to be loved. We think it's it's serving a lot of people and it should really help. I mean I, I've seen this in a lot of cities that you see where you see vandalism is often logical. It's often based on people who are being left out of society's goods. Um and so we hope that makes the difference. Um but that said there will certainly be some and again we have this full-time maintenance presence and and they will try to fix things as quickly as possible and get them back in. You know, we we have budget of the system that we assume 10 percent of the bikes are in the shop at any one time that may not be true but we sort of we fully expect that and some of that is obviously for maintenance routine maintenance some is something goes
0: wrong and some is vandalism repairing that so this is really exciting having this program starting just as the summer is finally in, uh, more present in the valley so, we're looking up to see how people start utilizing the bikes and enjoy joy of them. And how can people get in contact, should they have more questions or require more information about the program or other concerns regarding it? So, if they have questions about the program in general or how the bikes
1: work, The at valleybike.org is that information and they can certainly contact our vendor there. And if they have questions for me in general, I'm happy for people to contact me in the planning office. Um, Easiest for me is always email, which is at W-F-E-I-D-E-N, at northamptonma.gov. Happy to chat with people. Uh, You know, one thing I know that's going to come up, and we've heard this already, is we chose the 14 bike share stations in Northampton, the 50 in the Valley, based on the areas that would have the greatest use. So Pioneer Valley Planning Commission worked with us and identified where it seemed like those greatest pockets of employment, residents, et cetera. But that necessarily means there's a lot of residential neighborhoods that aren't getting bike share now. Um, and we hope we get more. This is as far as our funding wouldn't allow in the process. So if your listeners say, oh, why don't we have it in my neighborhood? That's the short answer. happy to talk in more detail, but the short answer is we thought where we're going is to get the highest use
0: that's out there. Well, thank you so much, Wayden, for, for this time, for this information, for having this uh, opportunity of sharing this information with the, with the audience about this program that I feel is going to be really beneficial for engaging more the interaction between communities and, of course, to promote a healthier and fun series of activities during the summer.
1: Thank you so much for covering this. I, I'm really excited with this. I think
0: it makes a big opportunity or creates a big opportunity for our community. This is our conversation with Wynne Feiden at the planning office here in the Northampton City Hall. More information of all of this uh, also will be available in the posting of this episode at RadioPlasma.com. With this we conclude this conversation here from Northampton City Hall for Radio Plasma. I'm your producer and host, Johan Vega. Thank you for listening.